All right, welcome. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. If you are on hold, uh, please be patient. I know I have a lot of medical types uh, on hold, and I do uh, beg your indulgence. Obviously, uh, this is a very difficult show to do. It's a very difficult show to which to listen because we have been through a collective trauma in western New York. A lot of people. Uh, obviously, Buffalo Bills fans, a lot of people were with your friends last night, with your family last night. Maybe you were watching it alone, but you saw something that was absolutely horrific on the field. I can think of three other incidents that I've seen uh, involving Buffalo sports that have elicited the kind of uh, emotion as uh, what happened last night. Uh, Number one would be Rick Martin at the old auditorium, falling on the ice. I think it was an afternoon game on a Saturday, but it's immaterial. He wasn't wearing a helmet, and he went into convulsions, and nobody knew if Rick Martin was going to be okay. The neck wound to Clint Malarchuk, goaltender of the Buffalo Sabres, and the neck wound to Zednik, and all of those situations um, were absolutely terrible. Um, right now, joining us on News Radio 930 WBEN, a man who's been all over town this morning and this afternoon covering the various reactions to this situation, our own uh, WBEN's Tim Wenger. And uh, Tim, uh, we, we found out um, a little while ago about a prayer vigil outside of Highmark Stadium, and you swung by to cover it, and I know it had a profound effect on you. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, Tom, you never know, you know, what you're going to come upon with, you know, events like this. And um, I guess we should have known that with Jill Kelly organizing it, this was going to be a serious endeavor. And indeed it was. This took place um, late clockwork just after three o'clock outside the Bills store on Abbott Road, just outside of the stadium. And uh, Jill Kelly organized this and it was uh, multi-denominational. Uh, uh, there were all sorts of different uh, religious leaders there and just uh, ordinary folks, I guess I'll, I'll say, that were praying uh, for DeMar. And, uh, you know, it really was just one person after the other. Jill Kelly, immediately following when I went up to her uh, and talked to her about uh, why she did this, she told me, we were broken, Jim was a wreck. That's a quote from what they were watching last night as the DeMar Hamlin uh, injury took place and the situation unfolded. And uh, this is what she found, uh, you know, within herself, a way for her to help uh, and do. And so there she did it. And uh, it really was a remarkable gathering. People gathered in a circle around a large uh, uh, love um, insignia that was uh, standing there in front of all the people that were speaking. Uh, one of the speakers there said, our prayer is that God heals Damar Hamlin and heals him now. Uh, so it was an emotional thing for sure. In the rain, uh, Bills fans gathering mm-hmm. outside Highmark Stadium. Tim, uh, on, on such short notice, how, how was the turnout? Uh, it was remarkable. When I got there, there were probably just a couple of dozen people uh, gathered in, in a circle and, you know, significant enough. Uh, and it grew to well over 100 people that were in that circle. Um, I didn't have chance to physically count everybody because I was busy speaking with it, but uh, well over 100 people, uh, if not more, gathered uh, there outside of the Bills store. And they planned to do another, too. 
that that's good. Hopefully, it'll be at a time where people might not be at work, and maybe they'll be blessed with some better weather than uh, what we have right now. To get people to stand outside in this kind of weather speaks volumes. Yeah, you know, and it didn't seem to stop anybody. And um, you know, I've, you know, I'm sure it probably did, but it sure sure didn't you know stop the turnout. And I will tell you this: that you know, unfortunately, Buffalo is as you're well aware, and you've already pointed out. Uh, throughout your coverage today is back in the spotlight. Every major network, uh, every publication, uh, all gathered there to get this story and to get this this uh, you know visual, if you will, uh, of a prayer vigil outside of the stadium. It just you know I talked to Del Reed, um, you know, kind of the the uh, patriarch of the the Bills Mafia, if you will. Um, and, you know, I, I talked to him about how, you know, everything has changed in less than 24 hours. Uh, you know, the, 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 all the anxiety for the game, all of the, the, the pitch and the hype for the game has all been replaced with this anguish and lost feeling as everybody, you know, prays and hopes for a better word from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. It really is uh, just a remarkable roller coaster that Buffalo and Buff- Western New York finds itself on once again. It, it certainly is, Tim. And this coming so close to the blizzard of 22 in which we lost dozens of people. This is just another heartache uh, added to that, at least for right now. Hopefully this will have a happier ending. I was with Mayor Byron Brown in his office a, a couple of hours ago, and he was uh, speaking about a number of issues. And this was certainly uh, the leadoff item. And, you know, he, he noted that, you know, you think about the, the year, um, you know, May 14th, you know, you and I, uh, you know, we're both busy that day uh, covering that horror. Uh, then we had the November storm, which impacted a good portion of the region, not everybody, but a good portion of the population. And then, as you just noted, the blizzard. And, uh, you know, I, I said to Susan a while ago, I was kind of looking forward to a slow week. And, uh <laughs> You know, again, we find another horrific uh, situation that we're dealing with, um, and it, it, it's just tough. I mean, it, it's, it's a gut punch, and, um, you know, as you, I, I was listening to you uh, driving back from the, 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 the prayer vigil, and, uh, you know, this is the, the, the hand that's been dealt, Western New York, and, and we, we kind of go with it, right? And we, we handle it, and it's a tough community. But, uh, boy, it's just like, when will this series of events come to an end? No, I I really do believe that when you go through traumatic situations with other people, that uh, it does bring you closer together. I think the community is, despite the political nonsense and divisiveness, uh, the community, for the most part, has shown its uh, its best colors in the face of adversity. People helping other people, and uh, people united not not just here, uh, but around the country, around the sporting world in particular, uh, in prayers and thoughts of healing for uh, Demar Hamlin. Tim, I, I know that you you get up very early in the morning, unlike your afternoon host. And did you have a chance to see what happened? live last night i did i witnessed the entire thing um you know and i was in touch too with our brian mazarowski who was in the stadium uh at the time it was interesting to hear from brian and max ferry has been doing that story today because uh, we spoke with him this morning uh on a new morning and you know the perspective in the stadium versus the, the I, you know i think i think you and i saw you know a, a much better vantage point if there could be a better vantage point but uh 
um, eye-opening vantage point than than the people in the stadium did. You know, Brian describes it as is somewhat you know mass confusion. It wasn't really clear um, what had occurred. Uh, I saw it all. You saw it all uh, unfold on TV. Um, you know, as I noted earlier today when I was speaking on another station, that you know. <laughs> When you're watching a game, we're you know we're unfortunately we're we're not desensitized, but we're used to injuries occurring in a football game, and we were aware of an injury, but we didn't know uh, the extent to which uh, you know an injury had just occurred until they came back from that break, right. uh, and then when we saw that uh, that that visual, uh, that thank goodness they stopped showing. Um, you know, it really was very, very difficult to watch. Um, now, the producers, and, uh, Tim, I thought the producers did an excellent job. They showed the replay just enough so everybody would understand what happened, and then they backed off of it and they changed the focus because you know, people half watch games and people would, you know, wanted to see, okay, exactly what happened here. What, what did I miss? I thought they did a, an excellent job under pressure and under, uh, under constant uh, worry of, of, uh, of being bombarded with criticism uh, in in the coverage and the emotionalism of the coverage was heartfelt sincere and uh, and genuine our Tim Wenger is here uh, he's been covering uh, this uh, story uh, Damar Hamlin's story uh, all day long at various uh, venues including the mayor's office and the prayer vigil uh, that was held within the last hour or so outside of uh, Highmark Stadium by the uh, by the bill store and you know Tim uh, you and I oh, maybe off air have uh, talked a little bit over the years about the National Football League and Coy Wire who was a Buffalo Bill was on CNN with Anderson Cooper last night and, and Coy Wire was obviously very affected by what he saw in much the same way as Jim Kelly was a wreck but he tried to keep it together for Anderson Cooper. Um, Coy has had a number of concussions over the years, football related. And he said something very interesting that 10 years ago, the NFL would not cancel Monday night football because of this, but it's a different world now. So there is some progress in the National Football League. I thought those were interesting comments. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I would agree with, with Coy's, um, you know, assessment there. I, I said this earlier in our newsroom when we were, you know, kind of going over our coverage and making, you know, having some discussions about this, that when this unfolded, and we did not yet know the severity of the injury, we knew it was severe. Uh, we didn't know it was to the degree that it was. But, um, you know, I said out loud last night, um, you know, I, you know, this is going to be a lengthy delay, but I do believe that the NFL will resume the game because that's what they traditionally have done. Um, you know, as the severity uh, began to grow uh, in our minds and before before us, as we all witnessed it, um, I started to wonder, you know, what's going to happen. Um, but, you know, Joe Buck, for you know, as one announcer kept saying, you know, that, uh, you know, he was making the mentions of the five-minute warm-ups that, you know, were ultimately rescinded, I guess, and, and talked about on a midnight conference call. But at any rate, I really did think for a, for a good period of last night that they would have uh, at some point resumed the game. Not that they should have, uh, but that they, they would have. So I would agree that that was the older mentality of, of the league. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I, I, I can't uh, throw too many darts yet because I, I don't know what the league knew. I don't know how much, they, how much more did they know than what um, we knew. I think there was mass confusion. I do give Sean McDermott, um, the Bengals coach, I give both of them a lot of credit for steering this the way it ultimately went because they were in communication with the league and Roger Goodell. 
um, throughout the evening, and I think that their their assessment was powerful and powerful enough to sway the uh, the decision of the league. And obviously, I think most people within earshot right now would agree that the right decision ultimately was made. Uh, absolutely, and from the uh, uh, from the panel discussions that were held during the broadcast. Uh, you know, you, you're always looking at somebody's body language. You're trying to figure out, are they are they hiding something? Are they covering something up? And, and Tim, I must confess that uh, based on the uh, very deep-seated reactions that I saw on TV, I thought that a totally different announcement uh, was going to be made about the uh, status of our Buffalo Bill. Yeah, you know, uh, Joe Buck was given information by by someone, whether it was the NFL or the teams, um, you know, about, for example, the nine-minute CPR uh, duration. You know, that was very, very, uh, you you know, memorable and uh, impacting on on all of us when you think about nine minutes, someone under being, you know, under uh, uh, CPR, it's, it's just devastating. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I was thinking the same, I think as many people were, um, and, uh, you know, now we're all hanging on hope. Um, I think the, you know, the medical coverage that you've provided through the afternoon with Dr. Harris and, uh, you know, the other physician, and then this morning, Dr. Metzler, who I know you know well, um, in respect, um, they, none of these physicians are working on this case. None of these physicians are involved in it, but their expertise and what they're saying, uh, at least I think gives us a lot to hang hope on, um, you know, that we can see some recovery here. So I, you know, we're, we're all hanging on the next statement that comes from the team. And, and the one that came just a little bit ago, uh, during the early afternoon hours was simply that he remains in critical condition in the ICU at the, uh, University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Now he's got a lot of people uh, behind him, and I hope we do get some some good news, and hopefully uh, another miracle like the Kevin Everett situation uh, will take place. There's another man, and, and, and by the way, what what the Pagulas did with the medical staff uh, of the Buffalo Bills, D- David Bellavia pointed this out earlier today, uh, basically really beefed it up, and I have to believe that that played a big role in the fact that we're not talking about something else today or it taking a different direction. Uh, DeMar Hamlin is still alive. He's still with us. Yeah, he, he was afforded, uh, you know, the, the top medical care in an immediate, uh, you know, situation. And I think, uh, you know, hopefully that is going to be the difference um, between recovery, um, you know, in, in any kind of permanent, permanent injury that he would suffer. Um, you know, last night, I, I think about this, I was at this, the... Um, airport time. I know we're running short on time, but I was at the airport as Bills fans, uh, you know, not a lot, but uh, uh, Hardy fans gathered for the team's arrival, um, which was kept um, at a good distance. And I I talked to a few fans and I talked to one fan and he reminisced about the Kevin Everett um, situation that you've referenced. And uh, he, he made, I think, a powerful analogy. He said, at least with that situation, we got a thumbs up. Right. We got nothing last night. We were all left to try to go to bed. I think a lot of sleepless nights occurred last oh, night for sure. You better um, believe it. You know, and, and you Cincinnati know, with, fans. with no word from the field other than waiting. No, and the, and the Cincinnati fans, it was just, it was very touching, uh, the class they showed, given the emotion going into that game in realizing what was truly important. Uh, Tim Wanger, I know it's been a long uh, morning and afternoon and now early evening for you. Thanks very much for being with us. You bet. Thanks for the coverage, Tom. Tim Wanger on News Radio 930 WBEN.
All righty. It is uh, Bowerly with you on News Radio 930 WBEN. There is uh, no update at all on uh, the situation involving DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. At this point, I will open up the show uh, for your telephone calls um, on what we all witnessed as a community last night. It was uh, obviously very, very difficult to watch uh, to the maximum degree. Um, I just want to make quick reference to something. Uh, we spoke last week with uh, Blizzard of 22 hero Jay Withy, who saved 24 souls uh, at the Pine Ridge School. And many of you have been nominating Jay for a Carnegie Hero Fund Commission Award. And the more nominations, quite frankly, the better. I've not had a chance yet to write mine, but I will, as will the chief of police of Cheektowaga. And uh, do have a response to one of our listeners who did write the Carnegie Hero Fund Commission. Hello. Thank you for bringing to our attention the efforts by Jay Withy to assist several people who were stranded in a blizzard in Erie County, New York, on or about December 23, 2022. Please know that we have begun our review of Mr. Withy's actions in order to determine whether they meet our award criteria. We appreciate your interest in our organization's ongoing efforts to recognize acts of civilian heroism in the United States and Canada, signed Susan Rizza, case investigator. And I dare say that uh, Jay Withy has exceeded the requirements for a Carnegie Award he put his own life at severe risk numerous times to save people he didn't even know. Uh, let's get to the calls on WBEN. A lot of things on uh, everybody's mind. Here is uh, Roger in West Seneca. Roger, uh, you have the patience of Job, sir. I thank you for your patience and uh, holding on. I appreciate that. Or perhaps you didn't. Roger, are you there in West Seneca? <laughs> Is Roger there? Um, oh, there he is. I'm there. Yeah, okay, yeah. what would okay. you do? Put us on speakers so he could do other things around the house and then wait for you Absolutely. to be called? No, it must have been on mute because it just uh, went to sleep mode, I think. Oh, that's but weird. I, I tend to do that to people, Roger. What's on your mind? Uh, I just want to, once again, continue the conversation that was taking place this morning about how do we take a tragedy and make something positive out of it? And that is the importance of CPR. We've been talking about it on several occasions today, and the more people that know CPR, the more lives we save. Now, were you on? Are, are you are you one of the guys who called uh, David Bellavia this morning? I did. I was on the with him earlier this okay, morning. Okay. Are, are you the Air Force guy? CPR. Are you the Air Force guy? No, I have a extensive background of. Pre-hospital care, EMT, firefighter, respiratory therapist, and I own a company that provides this training for lay rescuers all the way through the doctoral level. Oh, that's that's excellent. Um, well, when you look at what happened on the field last night, as somebody who is trained in such things, who has uh, encountered people in acute distress, what went through your mind? Well, what through my mind is it's hard on anyone to watch someone in pain. And we all saw these heroes of ours and, and what we would put them on a pedestal like a superhero because they can do things physically that we can't. These superhuman athletes 
are what we think of as our superheroes. And it was hard to watch them in pain and not be affected. At the same time, that is the heartfelt sorrow every healthcare worker has felt. It has been that way with every cardiac arrest we work, watching the families respond to what we have to do, which is barbaric in nature. It is very difficult to do CPR in a civilized, civilized, what looks like a civilized manner. The way they do it on TV and movies is so unrealistic, it gives people a false sense of what's real. And last night, they got to see what's real. Well, our, our view was was somewhat uh, impeded, thank goodness, uh, of of Correct. what was of what was going on. But um, it, it almost looks like a violent act when you're doing it correctly. And obviously, the procedure you you, you use on an adult is a lot different than what you use on an infant. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's why it's important to learn how to do it on every age group. Because as we learned last night, CPR isn't just for the elderly person who's overweight with diabetes who smokes and drinks. Cardiac arrest happens at every age, and there's a reason why we teach CPR for infants, children, adults. It's not just for those that are obese. It's anyone can die of cardiac arrest. It's the leading cause of cardiac arrest globally. Uh, You you mean uh, cardiac events are the leading cause of death in, in the world? Correct, correct. Well, I know I know that uh, only uh, only too well. You know, I know you um, were talking about uh, CPR, and uh, one of the things that we've been trying to figure out with some of the physicians with whom we've spoken today is the CPR. How long did they do the CPR, and at what point did they bring out uh, the uh, automated uh, defibrillator? They brought it out fairly quickly. Um, I, I, the ambulance was on the field. From what I saw, and once again, I only got to see what they were broadcasting. The ambulance was on the field pretty quickly. The AEDs are on the first responders ambulance, and they got it in there in a timely manner. The other important part to that three minutes that was discussed earlier by the physicians Mm -hmm. is also with how quickly CPR is done with that. So that three minutes is important because we want early defibrillation. But if compressions are being done effectively, we have a little bit of extra window there because we're feeding those cells with that oxygen-rich blood on that last breath that that person took. You know, it's a pretty good analogy. If you hold your breath and go underwater, how long can you last before you feel that pain? Well, your cells are feeling that on a cellular level, that lack of oxygen. If we're pumping the blood with compressions, we're continuing to feed that oxygen to them a little bit longer until we can get that early defibrillation. And as one of the doctors pointed out, I mean, these these were uh, this was CPR performed by highly trained medical professionals, uh, the best in the business. So obviously, they knew how to do it right to give the patient, uh, in, in this case, maximum uh, benefit. Ha- have you, sir? I know you you train people in this, but in the real world, have you come across situations where you've had to do CPR to a patient in need and possibly bring out the AED, the automated external defibrillator? I have done CPR so many times I can't even count the number. I have no idea the number. I've done CPR from in someone's bathroom between when they were stuck between the toilet and the tub to their living room, the bedroom on the side of the road in the gutter on a county road doing CPR to in a open heart unit where we're literally doing internal compressions with a cracked open chest mm-hmm. 
even in a jail cell. So I've been there, done that with where to do compressions. And that does play a big part in it is, you know, your environment. And it's got to be difficult when you have millions of people watching. But like we talked about this morning, your training kicks in. Oh, yeah. Well, you it's, it, as you are well aware, and as David Bellavia is well aware, and any firefighter or cop listening or nurse or doctor, your training is everything because you, you play like you train, except this isn't playing uh, in the traditional sense of the word. This is playing for somebody's life, which is uh, the most noble thing uh, one human being can do to, uh, to another. Where do most people make the biggest mistake with CPR, sir? Not getting trained. One thing you mentioned is all these healthcare professionals and first responders, but really four out of five cardiac arrests happen outside of a medical facility or when there isn't direct medical care. It's much more than those three minutes we talked about. So if we're not getting the lay rescuer taught and trained in CPR, we're not saving lives that we should be. How many people have you trained uh, over the years? Thousands. I've been teaching for over 20 years. Um, one of my most passionate thing is to make sure someone leaves my classroom with the knowledge and the confidence to, to save a life. And I've only been surpassed with that feeling by the people coming back to me and saying, I saved a life by what you did. And I have to go back and say to them, I did nothing but give you the information. You saved a life. And I got to tell you, as great as that feels, you can't even imagine the warmth that they have, that they learned that they're a hero now. Well, in- indeed, because not only have you done the life-saving, but hearing from people whom you have trained uh, has got to be extraordinarily rewarding. It's just it's a multiplier effect. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, treating one patient is amazing, but when you have all these other thousands of people treating patients, it feels amazing. So, and knowing you can help the community. You, you know, my Western New York region I'm born and raised in is now better because of every person that this that learns CPR. So, Roger, I, I know that people can train with the American Red Cross. I know people can train uh, at their local fire hall if they have classes available. Uh, what What is your company's name? I am with Western New York Healthcare Education. We are a focused on making sure we're improving Western New York healthcare. One class at a time is our motto, and we want to do that for the lay rescuer all the way through to the highest level medical professional. What, what can you teach, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to be a wise guy here, but no. what, what, what can you teach somebody with MD after his or her name? Well, when's the last time you rode a bike? You know, it's just like anything else. If you don't do something, you're not going to be proficient at it. Right. So medical professionals are required to take this class at a minimum every two years. And even with that, American Heart Association has found the skills are not adequate for that level of professional. So they actually encourage us to have training every three months to wow. keep our skills at the optimal level to save more lives. Hey, Roger, um, hang, hang with us. Hang with us, if you would, for a moment, because I, I got a break for traffic. I got other people calling in, too. But uh, I know I heard a couple of people that were very interesting on uh, David Bellavia's show today. But let's find out about your drive home on News Radio 930 WBEN as our community all polls for DeMar Hamlin. Nothing new to report uh, from what you've heard all day long. 
It is uh, Bowerly, WBEN. I just want to go back to Roger and uh, ask him, Roger, um, over the past 10, maybe 15 years, uh, we've seen more and more in shopping malls, arenas, places of uh, public gathering, the automated external defibrillators. Have they been game changers in your line of work? Absolutely. And there are different parts of the region in, in, West, in the uh, United States that have much higher success rate than we do in western New York on cardiac arrest because they have more access to AEDs, and they're actually mandating CPR training for a lot of different places. Like, you can't graduate high school in a lot of cities unless you've taken and passed a CPR class. Um, you know, the way we're littered with Tim Hortons on every corner, well, there's other cities that are littered with AEDs on every corner. They have it required for every business, or at least most businesses over a certain size, to have an AED. And the two things save lives, high-quality chest compressions and early access to the defibrillator. The physician you mentioned, three minutes. Well, an ambulance is going to get there in four to five minutes. We're already past that three-minute mark. Indeed we are. One more time, give us the name of your, uh, uh, of your company. Sure. Western New York Healthcare Education, WNYHE.com. We have plenty of lay rescuer CPR classes, and i got to say that a lot of people are reaching out already today looking for classes. So You, you really got he.com? You were early on the Internet, weren't you? Well, I uh, using our initials, WNY Healthcare Education. I thought I'd make it nice and simple and easy and uh, was not – implying any he or she or they oh no no it wasn't a pro, it, was, it wasn't oh, okay. a pronoun <laughs> thing it was no no it was oh. it was it was just more of a simplicity is the best thing you know because my ah. e- my email is about 80 characters long a little late to the game uh but thank you uh, for what you do roger uh thank you for the call to uh david thank you for the call to my show appreciate it much Thank you very much, and if I can be any other assistance, let me know. Of course, Roger in uh, West Seneca, very passionate guy. Heard him uh, this morning, along with a fellow from uh, the Air Force. Uh, let's go to Tom in Williamsville. Tom, you're on WBEN. It's been a tough day. It's been a tough past, uh, well, many hours. What's on your mind in WBEN? All right, this happened. What do you do about it? I really think the NFL now should make it mandatory for every player to wear some sort of a breastplate like the military does with uh, body armor. Let the rest of the body absorb the hit instead of directly on the heart. Uh, don't they, you know, you'll, you'll forgive me, but I've never put on a football uniform, only a hockey uniform. Uh, don't they already, with the shoulder pads, have improved coverage for the sternum and uh, the pectoral region? Well, you saw what happened last night, do they? Well, that was a one-in-a-million shot. I mean, that's what two doctors have said today. In order for that to happen last night, it has to be at exactly the right moment, which is actually the wrong moment in terms of uh, humanity, but it's got to be at the right moment in the heart's activity for what we saw last night, the uh, cardiac arrest, to happen. Well, obviously, it didn't work. I think something else should be done where... It's wrapped all the way around the heart, and the muscles, the ribs, the rib cage, and everything else takes the blow instead of directly on the heart. Well, I mean, that obviously that, that's the whole goal of equipment. If, uh, if this means that they need to sit down and uh, redesign something or come up with uh, better coverage for the area that you've uh, indicated, uh, I'm all for it. Hey, 
I'm not a scientist, and I don't make these kind of things, but I've heard many times the military uses light, light body armor. Just wrap the chest like that, and somebody knows how when a direct hit hits, it spreads, and the rest of the body absorbs it, even if you have to put a cone on there. Now, this is, you're quite correct. Um, having seen uh, pictures of people who have been shot with uh, 38s and 45s into today's body armor worn by police, there isn't penetration, but I'll tell you something. You'll get a size. You're going to see every color of the rainbow in that human being about the size of a basketball. Well, if it saves whatever happened last night, somebody who really knows that kind of equipment should talk to the NFL and say, look, we have something that'll stop this. Because if it happened once, it can happen again. I remember when Daryl Stingley back in the 70s got his neck broke. Then the kid here in Buffalo on a kickoff broke his neck. They had they they ran cold water through his spine and saved him. He walks around now. I mean, now we all we all remember the case of Kevin Everett who uh, was saved by Dr. Cappuccino who unfortunately I believe has had to retire. Um, but I thank you very much Tom. I appreciate hearing from you. Okay, I think that's a real important thing and you're a big-time guy, man. You, you know people. Talk to the NFL and see if you can say something to them where they think about it. Everybody's worried about the kid now, but you got to start changing things. No, sir, I'm a two-bit talk show host in Buffalo, and I'm totally okay with that. But thank, thank you kindly. I appreciate it. Don't uh, kid me. i got to go, brother. Thank you. Um, look, I, I, any time you can make something safer, I'm all for it. And if there is a design change that can be made, I'm all for it. But then, okay, if you make the sternum protection better for players, is it also going to have an adverse impact on concussions and on neck injuries? Or are you supposed to – that's something that safety engineers are going to have to take a look at. But, I mean, look, if you can prevent this from happening, that's ideal. And, And helmet technology has come a long way. Hockey helmets, I know more than football helmets, and I'll tell you, the hockey helmets of today are so much better than the ones we wore when we played back in the 1970s. Good grief. It's 458 at News Radio 930 WBEN.